Ron and Anian. If you are warming up the vehicle, make sure that if you do start it and it's nearby that, you know, there's nobody in it, that the tailpipe is clear is what I'm trying to get to, that it's not going to back up exhaust and make it come out other places. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. The Car Doctor. I think what I'm saying is I'm not a fan of Chinese tires because there are some okay. there are some major name brand tires that are not made here that I still consider okay tires. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. That's the Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. You can call 855-560-9900 anytime, day or night. Leave a message and Tom Ray, our executive producer, will call you up and get you in queue and uh, um, talk to you about your problem and get you up here on radio and we'll solve it for you. That's what this radio show is about. If you're new to the Car Doctor, if you're uh, perhaps on our newest affiliate, WBAE in Portland, Maine, we're uh, glad to have you with us. And as we march forward to continue to try and fix all of America's broken cars, as we have these past 27-something-plus years, I don't know, 1991, 2017, somebody do the math. I think we're coming up on 28. I think we're about to enter our 28th year, if I'm doing my numbers right. Um, but um, in any event, that's what this radio show is. And also that 855-560-9900 has got a messaging service on it. And um, like I said, you can uh, call and uh, leave a message, and uh, we won't hurt, honest. We won't bite. Um, we'll just uh, try and help you fix your car. Uh, real quick, in response to last week, we had a caller last week that called in with some comments and concerns about Falcon Tires, F-A-L-K-E-N. And uh, Greg out on Facebook, on the Car Doctor Facebook page posted, and I appreciate this, Greg. Uh, I really do. Um, with some information that uh, Falcon used to be part of or known as Sumitomo Rubber North America. At the, and I went and I looked at the Wikipedia page that he posted up there. He said, you know, there's more of them on uh, on Wikipedia. Um, Falcon Tires, a brand of passenger car, light truck, medium tires owned by the Japanese company Sumitomo Industries. It was launched in Japan in 1983 and was introduced to the North American market two years later. Um, they now are a standalone brand that focuses on uh, UHP, ultra-high-performance products, while utilizing professional motorsports to further develop and improve products. So, yeah, they, you know, name brand tire, I guess. Um, I'm still not all that familiar with them, and I guess that's part of their, that's their fault, right? That's shame on them. They should be, uh, they should be trying to uh, advertise the brand and inform the, uh, at least the trade of who they are and what they are. But um, Falcon does exist as a tire company. I still don't know that if I would have gone, if you recall the call from last week, the gentleman was saving $25 a tire by using them. I still don't know if I would have done that by using a an, an unknown source over an extra 100 bucks for tires. Uh, but, you know, he did. And, you know, chances are he'll be fine. So I just want to comment on that. And, uh, you know, I am reading the Facebook page, folks. Uh, you know, I do uh, I do appreciate that, Greg. I really do. Um, anyway, this hour, and I guess it has to happen this hour because it didn't happen last hour. So would the two judges stop being so picky in there for crying out loud? 
And um, let's... No. Yeah, y- and you're interrupting our Christmas party. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. How come I don't get to have a Christmas party? I'm working on this side of the glass. No? Yes? Okay. I got Tony. I caught Tony with a mouthful of something there. Um, so that kept that kept him from making a, uh, a snide remark. So, But uh, we are giving away a launch scan tool, courtesy of the folks at Launch, Launch Tech USA, a Millennium 90, uh, I believe three-and-a-half-inch color screen and um, OBD2 capable, and it looks at airbag and uh, ABS and a bunch of other modules. Um, Top-of-the-line Millennium product, really great stuff, kind of neat. Uh, we're getting that away this hour. I'm not sure uh, what their prior, what their criteria is. That's the word I've been looking for for the past hour. Also, and you guys better get it together because the boss is coming. Harlan Siegel from Launch is going to be stopping by down around the bottom of the hour. To I, I thought we would do a little, you know, scan tool comparison uh, shootout type of a thing. Just you know, what should we look for in a scan tool? It's uh, you know, it's a week to go to Christmas and other holidays. We don't want to you know disregard anybody's holiday, but uh, you know, maybe there's some last minute uh, thoughts on you know what do we want for Christmas kind of a thing, and um, you know, gift ideas like that. So uh, Harlan stopped by to give us. He's going to be the price comparison guide, is what I told him I wanted. So uh, we'll see if we can do that for you. But right now, let's kick the garage doors open and. Um, Answer a couple of questions. Let's go over and talk to Matt on line one, Columbus, Ohio, 89 Ford Bronco. Matthew, welcome back, sir. What's what's going on? How can I help? Oh, okay. I'm having a problem with, with the, my Ford Bronco. Okay. Um, I, okay. I had to write this down. Go ahead. What happened, it died. I had to get on the side of the road, and it would crank really slow as if the battery was dead, but the battery wasn't dead. The windows all went up and went down fine. The lights were bright. Anyway, got it home. A few hours later, I cranked it with the help of a jump pack. I, could, I cranked it. It fired right up, and it died after a few minutes. Anyway, I diagnosed that it was not getting any spark back to the TFI module. And so I replaced the entire distributor, and that fixed that problem. But the problem is, the new problem is now it seems to um, almost like it, it cut when it's cold it kind of like cuts out like the RPMs just completely drop and it, like it almost dies okay. and as it warms it gets a little bit better but any sort of load that I put on the engine like uh, the windows or the radio or the wipers like seems to aggravate the problem the, the high beams ought to turn the thing off huh right yeah, yeah. right so let me ask you this: in, in all the in all that you've done, and all the, the the testing and the diagnosis and and everything else, do you have the ability, or have you, or has anyone load tested the battery, checked the charging system, what's the charge rate, what's the amperage output, and all that good stuff? I, yeah, yep. But the battery and the starter and alternator were tested at okay. an auto parts store, store, and and the guy said everything checked out good. All right. Um, Nothing against auto parts stores. Some of them have some really great people in them. I'd like to. I'd like to hear a tech tell me that. All right, especially when you're chasing a problem like this. I'd. I'd really love to see also what does the diode pattern or does the alternator show that it has a good diode in it, um, a good set of diodes because I have seen AC feedback cause particular running problems. Although I'm kind of leaning towards if the problem wasn't there prior to the distributor, and now it is. I'm, I'm, you know, my first reaction is it's related to the distributor, and my my next comment's going to be that you've got to find a lab scope and or a shop with a lab scope and start to p- 
pin out and signal test the the distributor itself. You know what's coming out, what's going in. You know, garbage in, garbage out, good in, good out. You know, we, we should see, um, uh, especially on that TIF module. You know, was it an aftermarket rebuilt? You know, Chinese module. Was it a name brand? Who's distributed? Aftermarket. I was unable to find the, an original uh, motorcraft. Yeah, you probably can't. You know, you might find an original module. Um, you know, you might also find an original stator. And, and then my other my other concern becomes, you know, who's who's depending on the distributor. You know, the stator, the pickup piece inside. Whose is it? Is it you know eighty nine? Let's see, ninety nine, two thousand. That's thirty years old. Uh, you know, how many times has that thing been rebuilt, and how many times has that thing been around the block? Uh, you well, know, I, the entire distributor. So the, the stator that's that's mounted inside the distributor. So everything new. Okay. But like you said, uh, I, I was my first thought after right. everything was possibly somewhere within that new distributor. Right. That I, I bought. I mean, the only other thing I would I would think about is. The, uh, you know, I would start to voltage drop test grounds. I would want to do some voltage drop testing on the grounds itself from the battery to the engine block, from the engine block to the frame. I would want to voltage drop test the power, the positive side. You know, do I have good, clean connections at the battery? I've got to tell you, from your description, you were describing in my mind, and I try never to assume because it's a dangerous word, especially on family radio, but I was, I was really thinking you were going to, Talk to the way you were talking. We were going to find a bad alternator in this truck, and, and it's a brand new alternator too, right. Ron. Well, you, alternator, you know, brand new starter, right. and the battery checked out. I know that's it's about two years old. Right. Just, just remember what new stands for. You know, I, 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 you know, I know you know this. Never ever worked. Uh, so, you know, at this point, I would, I would test what I can test. You know, within the confines of the tools that I've got, you know, voltage drop test, just, you know, um, do some voltage drop testing, grounds, connections, cables, things like that. And once everything passes from all possible angles of positive to positive, negative to negative, and so on, then I would start looking back. If the problem specifically happened right after that distributor was replaced, do you still have the old distributor by chance? Yeah, I I do have it, and I thought about that. Maybe I'll try to put it back in, but but I wasn't getting any spark out of it whatsoever. Well, so maybe my, my may, next maybe we take the, maybe we take the module off the off the off the new one, put it on the old one. Does the problem go away? Does the problem stay? Um, you know that type of thing. Maybe we play with that. Yeah, swap parts out on, right. on the old stuff. You know. Yeah. I, again, if you had a lab scope, we could kind of go through some. You know, deeper testing and some, uh, you know, do a little bit, be a little bit more scientific about it. But I'm just trying to think of workarounds for it. Some, I do have a lab scope, Ron, but it's like uh, it's like one that you see like in a in a high school, like for testing like electric. It's not really. Is it is I'm it sure. is it digital or analog? It's an old analog. Yeah, scope. I don't know that it would pick up the signal. Um, well, actually, it would. I take that back. Um, and I have to think, if I remember right, the wiring on that on that TIFF module, I believe spark in spark in spark out. There's a there's a black, a gray, a blue. I think the second one from the bottom is blue. Um, you could look this up on a wiring diagram, but you should see because you're going to see if you look at the the reluctor pickup inside the distributor, you see how it's like a, a, a notched tooth, right? It's it's a it's a square tooth wave. Yeah. 
uh, you know, the the reluctor just looks like looks like an upside down castle turret. If, yeah, if, it's like, a, like right. a hall effect. Right, it's a hall effect. Exactly so. So that converts the signal going into the ignition module being controlled by the computer. You should see a square wave there. There's enough information out on the internet. You can actually, if you have a if you have a scope, you could test signal in, signal out. All right. Um, and that might be where I would go with this once I got through voltage drop testing grounds and just making sure I don't have an alternator problem, an AC, a diode issue, AC voltage leakage, that type of thing. Hey, so. really quick, Ron. Uh, I did I did the flash bulb test. For, there was a code 6-7 on this truck, and it's for a uh, neutral safety switch. Does that sound like it would, could possibly have anything to do with this problem? No, not offhand. I don't, I don't see that as an issue, but I would look hard at that as well. Um, you know, that shouldn't, that should now, is that problem only there since you did the distributor? Uh, you know what? I haven't scanned it. Well, not scanned it, but the, the, the bulb, flash bulb test, I haven't done that in a long time. Okay. So I, I don't know how long it's been. Right. Well, let's clear it, see if it comes back while we still have this problem. How's that for a start? Right. All right, sir. Call me, call me, call me when you know some more and we'll talk about this again. All right, Matt, you take good care. 855-560-9900. Ron Anina, the car doctor, coming up right after this. Welcome back. Ron Anina, the car doctor. It's uh, urgent that I talk to everyone at 855-560-9900. Next up, Bill, Brighton, Michigan. Mr. Bill, how are you today, sir? How can I help? I'm doing well. Thank you for taking the call, Ron. 2014 Impella, 3.6 liter V6. The oil filter. Somebody managed to locate that right next to the catalytic converter. I've done about 12 oil changes on this car. The filter sits between the radiator and the block. I'm using a strap wrench, and I'm having a struggle to keep my uh, hands from getting fried doing right. this. And keeping hair on your knuckles, right? It's, uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you wonder, you know, I don't understand the thought process because never mind changing the filter. You wonder, you know, we're putting the catalytic converter right next to the filter. What's the boiling point of oil? How hot does it have to get? Uh, exactly. you, you wonder how it gets affected. Here's a case where the, the cheap dollar store actually comes in handy, all right? Okay. Here's, here's a reason to buy something made in China, because when you throw it out, you don't care. Go down to, you know, go down to the cheap store and um, buy a bunch of leather gloves, all right? You okay. know, find something with, you know, low tactile feel and, or just enough tactile feel, but, you know, a real thin skin, just enough to kind of break the heat barrier. You know, flexible, they're out there. And, you know, you'll get a couple of oil changes out of it, throw it out, and just go to the next pair. You buy a dozen, what could it cost you? $20 for a dozen leather gloves? It's a lot cheaper than uh, first-degree burns. Well, that's that's kind of it, you know, and it's 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 just, it's it's reached that point. And, um, you know, that'll just become, uh, that's just, it's a whole lot easier. I mean, they also have those um, uh, black, uh, what do they call them? They go on over your fingers and it extends up to your elbow. It's like a sleeve, you know, the heat sleeve for, you know, insulating yourself that way, too. You can find those at an O'Reilly Auto Parts store near you. Uh, you know, okay. I, know I know they have those. Um, you might even find some leather gloves there as well. Uh, you could probably look them up online, get out to O'ReillyAuto.com and see if they have them. But, yeah, I know. it's Listen, some of these oil changes are an absolute nightmare. And then the oil, when you take the filter off, the oil tends to go down into the frame, and it just makes a big sloppy mess, and it drips under the yep. car, and you're like, you know, I'll give credit. I'll tell you what. I give credit to Ford Motor Company. GM really should take a look and a page from their book. GM oil changes tend to be very sloppy. Ford 
to their credit, on a lot of their V8s and their V6s, they put these little plastic trays and funnels in the right spot, and the oil drains, and it comes out in the one spot. It's easy enough to wash out with a little solvent when you're doing the oil change. It all drains out. Because the last thing you need is a customer saying, hey, I just had my oil change done by you, and it's dripping underneath. Boy, there's a confidence builder, right? Um, exactly. Yeah. All over the new cement driveway. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, Bill. Hey, Bill, I'll tell you what. Um, it's, it's, it's Christmas, and Tom and Tony, you're giving me thumbs up. Stay on the line. I bet you could use a scan tool of all people. Ron, you know me very well. I very much appreciate that. Thank yeah. you, sir. Uh, we're going to be sending out the Millennium 90 from the folks at Launch, launchtechusa.com. Um, we know you're a longtime listener, but Tom just gave me the thumbs up, and he said, you know, he's, he's been keeping track over the years. He says, I bet this guy's got a dozen or so cars. He could probably use a scan tool. He's, he, he, he's just trying to keep his family's cars on the road. So uh, Tom just gave me the thumbs up. So it's yours, buddy. Just stay on the line. Let Tom get your information, and we'll get it mailed out to you this week. All right? You take good care and uh, hang in there. Yes, sir. Um, stay right where you are, Bill, and Tom will pick up. Tom, pick up and uh, talk to Bill. Good. Um, real quick, Ron, do I got time for – can I sneak this in before we uh, – by the way, I should point out that Harlan Siegel's coming in in the next segment. He'll be happy to know we gave away the scan tool. We can talk to him about that. Um, real quick, Ron, it's time to replace the battery in my 2008 Tundra before it fails. Before it fails? What is this, an original battery, 10 years old, 9 years old? Wow. Is this one of the vehicles that computers need to be told it's a new battery? Can I just replace it? How does a layman know what vehicles need to have a reteach when replacing the battery? I love your show. Thanks for all the info, Joe from Augusta, Maine. Uh, Joe, that should be a straight-up battery change. Should be difficult. The one thing to keep in mind, sometimes on Toyotas, if the throttle body is very dirty and hasn't been cleaned in a long time, you're going to have to do a throttle body cleaning and a relearn. The way you're going to relearn it is, obviously, the battery cables will get disconnected when you disconnect the battery but you're going to have to put a jumper wire between the between the bat- positive battery cables you know cables off at the battery positive and negative in your hand put a 10 ohm one watt resistor wire uh, bleed the computer down slow hook it back up after you clean the throttle body and you should be just fine um, unless you have a, uh, a battery memory saver which a lot of people don't i understand that um, this is just one way to uh, go about it how do you know all data, Mitchell, factory information. In a lot of cases, just about every vehicle with a battery has to be relearned. Trained by a computer, that's a different story. We'll cover that at a different time. Coming up next, Harlan Siegel, Launch Tech USA. I'm running into the car, Doctor. We're back right after this. back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, rolling along this hour. You know, it, it used to be a much simpler conversation. We'd talk about scan tools and how to pick one and, and, and what to look for. And, you know, the conversation was about this long. Now we need a conversation. Well, I don't know if we're going to get it in the next half hour. That's how big the, the, the market has grown in terms of features and everything that you can look for and possibly get in a scan tool. So we've, we've turned to one of what I consider to be someone I consider to be one of the experts in the in the field, none other than Harlan Siegel. He's from Launch, and Harlan's been around with other companies. He's been doing this a good long time. I don't want to give away any ages here, Harlan, but um, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, sir, and uh, welcome back. Uh, thank you, Ryan, and it's a pleasure to be back. Uh, you know, where? By the way, what airport are you in today? Are you are you are you in the are you on the continent or are you overseas or you know are you home? Uh, now? Yeah, for the, today we're not flying. We're talking to you. Okay, cool beans. <laughs> so I know it's it's. I always catch Harlan. He's at some airport, running in between flights. He's uh, he's 
probably the hardest, one of the hardest working guys in the scan tool business. It's amazing. Um, somebody's out there listening right now, Harlan, and they're thinking, gee, I want to get, you know, dad, brother, mother, sister, somebody, grandpa, a scan tool for Christmas. What am I going to look for? What are some of the features? What are some of the things to consider? Uh, you know, price point has to come into this conversation. I see $40 scan tools. I see $500 scan tools, of which I consider still to be DIY, do-it-yourselfer. Um, where do you start? How do you approach the monster? Uh, actually, that's a good question. So, you know, the first thing you want to take a look at is what, you know, what is your budget? You know, are you under 100 or are you over 100? And, uh, uh, and, and that will begin that process. So let's start under 100. So when you're under $100, you're generally looking at a generic OBD scan tools that are not necessarily vehicle specific. They run to the uh, generic data protocol and will give you codes and live data, actually, for most all engine-related and, and uh, emissions-related codes, and extremely easy to use. They're basically plug-and-play. Uh, all of our units, even below the $100 category, graph either one or two or four, and, uh, um, and color displays and updatable. And where those price points lie, uh, change with, for example, additional features, like how big is the screen? Like, does it do anything else? So we start at a list price, and these are MSRP prices of fifty nine ninety nine, which we call the Millennium 40, which is a great, you know, you like stocking stuff. I hear you say that every year, talking about stocking stuff as in scan tools, and this is a wonderful, you know, entry-level uh, tool called the Millennium 40 for a list price of fifteen ninety nine. Now, that has a 2.4-inch screen. Now, if you increase the screen, uh, screen size a bit to 2.8, you go up to uh, uh, $79.99, and it gives you an additional graph and additional capabilities such as all of the modes 1 through 10. So that's, that, that's in, the, in, in the under 100 category. Now, what happens when you know, go to the next phase, yeah. which is over 100, right. we get into enhanced capability. So that's like OE specific data beyond generic, such as uh, enhanced ABS, any lock brake systems, or SAS for airbags and so forth. And, and that's additional capability for additional lights beyond the check engine light. So ABS light, SRS light, and so forth. And that begins with the Millennium 70. And when we get into the Millennium 70 and go north to the 90, we're in a different form factor, a more of a professional, robust form factor uh, with, a, uh, with, a, with a beautiful carrying case and so forth. But like on the Millennium 70, at a just under $150, we're going to give you everything that the previous tools do, but we're going to add ABS and SRS uh, capability, again, all uh, easy to update over the Internet. And then for the premium product is the Millennium 90, which will give you everything that we just said, and we're going to add reset capability, such as electro electronic parking brake reset for those cars. Actually, it's many cars today, obviously, when you do rear brakes and you're going to retract the, uh, the caliper and or the electronic parking brake device or battery reset. Many cars today, you replace a battery, you need to reset before you put the new one in. Uh, steering angle reset. Replace any front end components. You want to set that straight ahead uh, steering angle to zero. Zero and electronic brake bleeding uh, are all built into this, Ron, uh, and then entire family. So, take me for a second past the ninety. 
if I say, well, you know, my budget's unlimited, where am I going next beyond the 90? What features will I see in, I don't know, is the word a, a more professional grade scan tool than the 90? The 90 is not a terrible tool. It's a great tool, actually. Um, you know, what's, what's my next step up and why am I going to it? All right, so if you have a, an, an unlimited budget, which uh, we, we generally do like, um, we, can, uh, uh, we can take you into, uh, just like you said, a, a more professional, what we call our ProLine series. And what that's going to do is instead of just giving you uh, ABS and SRS, uh, we're going to take you into all the modules, all the controllers on a car, and get into other things beyond reading and clearing codes or even resets, but do things which we call bi-directionals, where we take control of the individual controller of that vehicle and make it do something. For example, body control module will make the windows go up and down, uh, the horn beep, the wipers wipe, the trunk pop open, and, and, and grow into other modules from there or other sunroof or you know we can go on and on and on and we get into where we do those things to the car just like you know a technician would need to do uh, in a professional work environment and then that takes you north to eighteen hundred dollars all the way to about $3,500 as we get into uh, larger units with additional uh, capability uh, as well as um, uh, more OE kind of functions. Do you think the day of the handheld scan tool are, are, are coming to an end, Harlan? Do you think it's going to be, everything's going to have to go to PC-based? Where do you see it? You know, uh, uh, that's also a good question because, you know, some of the OE, you know, at the OE level, if you go to a dealership, you'll see uh, in many cases they're uh, uh, PC-based uh, because it's just simply easy. It's easy to update. Uh, you know, many times, you know, they're not involved in the hardware purchase because you're selling software with an interface box. Um, in the aftermarket, I do not see that. And the reason why, you know, we, we took a look at going to PC-based stuff, but, you know, after many focus groups and many surveys, the average technician wants to have something in his hand that's simply ready to go. He doesn't want to get out, get a laptop, power it on, pick the software, right. make sure it's all right. updated, make sure it's compatible, because a lot of even the OE level uh, uh, product are just getting into Windows 10, and then you have to hook up some sort of an interface to make sure the software's updated. But with the aftermarket, it's really just a plug and play. It's ready to go, and it's all in one and uh, and we still see that uh, that that's still the popular direction and 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 really a, a big reason of of our popularity as well. So last question, last point to bring up. So you see scan tool. I see scan tools out there, sixteen thousand dollars aftermarket scan tools um, from some companies that you know have everything built in all in one. And then I see scan tools like you just said, eighteen hundred, three thousand, thirty five hundred dollars. Why the difference? And you know, I've got my own opinion about it, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you mine after you tell me yours. Why, why such a drastic difference? What are we? What are we missing, or what are we overpaying for? Which is it? <laughs> uh, you, you know, some of the some of the skin tools that are in that upper end. Uh, you know, exotic niche market, if you will, uh, oftentimes come with something other than the scan tool. For example, it might include uh, uh, support. Support where I'm a technician, um, I'm, I'm having a trouble, uh, you know, doing some sort of a relearn on a, on a module on a BMW. I can't figure it out. I call a number and they might walk me through a procedure or even take control to the tool. And and so it's beyond the scan tool. Uh, and and and. So some products out in that space do 
include that uh, as, as part of that. Um, also, there, there are other tools that are also very expensive that don't have support, and they're simply more expensive because of the distribution model in which they sell in. And you're going to take a look at, you know, when you're buying a tool, you know, how many hands touch it? You know, look, people sell these things not just because you know, of goodwill. I mean, there's something in it for everybody. Sure. And, and, and based on that architecture, also has a tremendous influence in the price in all also, the brand associated with the tool can also command a much higher dollar. And as long as people are willing to pay for it, it is not going to stop, and, in my opinion. And, right. And I agree. And I always said, I've always said, and I've said it for the past 20-something years, scan tools are about bang for the buck. Because there's, there's, there's one thing I guarantee you, you're going to buy a scan tool today, and you know it'll get updated, it'll get used, and you've got to think a three, what do you think, three to five year life cycle, Harlan, and then replace it, and you got to get the next generation, and that's just because the cars change. That's not because the tool changes, the technology of the car changes, correct? That's absolutely correct, and and. You know, it, it used to be you'd, ke- you'd keep a scan tool for many, many, many years. So you, you remember back in the you know, early days of OBD2, you know, you, you may have bought a scan tool and hang, hung on with it for 10 years. So, so, you know, the changes weren't that, that great. But it's not just the car. It's also the technology in the hardware. I mean, just think of your cell phone. I mean, what, what did your smartphone do 10 years ago compared to what it would do now? I mean, right. it's, sure. it's as powerful or more powerful than an average computer. So, so companies like ours, we want to take advantage of that, in this case, Android, you know, the latest Android hardware, and be able to, to use that to give you a better user experience, a faster experience, and also in, in, in the Android upper and Android products we sell, to use it other than a scan tool, because so many times, Ron, uh, you know, that, that, that a technician and or do-it-yourselfer do might need to go into Google um, uh, or YouTube or Google some sort of response as to what may be right or wrong with the car, or how to do a procedure, or right. how to do or repair, and when you have an Android-based scan tool that's Wi-Fi and open access to the Internet, now that tablet is a tablet and a scan tool. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. Harlan, i got to go. Where are they going to get more information, brother? I do appreciate it. Thank you. No, where are they going to get Harlan, don't go away too. Where, where can the listeners get more information? Where, where, where? What website? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, best thing to do is go to uh, www.launch techusa.com, L-A-U-N-C-H-T-E-C-H-U-S-A.com. Just click on the products page, and on the products you'll see the Millennium Series that I just talked about, and you'll see the 40, 50, 60, and so on. Gotcha. You can download brochures. There are some videos on there you can see as well. Okay, and you know what? The next time we get together, I want to talk about updates, and I'm going to pick your brain, twist your arm. I want to know what the future holds. We're going to do that after the first of the year. All right, you have yourself a good holiday, Harlan. Likewise to you and your listener, Ron. I do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'm Ron and Andy, the car doctor. We're coming back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, riding along this hour. Let's go over and talk to Mark, La Crosse, Wisconsin. Return call, 97 Silverado. Yeah, Mark, how are we doing today? What's going on? Uh, pretty well, yourself? Not a bed. What, what can I do for you? So I called uh, probably about a month ago because it would turn over, but I couldn't get it to start. Okay. And you told me I should call back when I get it figured out. So um, well, I went down the line, you know, and got uh, I replaced the, the uh, cap and rotor. Right. And still had nothing. So I went further back, and I was going to do the control module and that, the, what's it called, the primary coil separately. 
Okay. But uh, they're on the same mount, and the thing was such a pain in the butt to get off to begin with. I just did both of them at the same time. And now it's fixed. And then got that all on, and now it runs like nothing. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, it's it's I I rem- I, I kind of remember the call. I remember we got past fuel pressure. We know fuel pressure was good. Um, that we were thinking mm-hmm. more along the lines of spark. And uh, how do you like those screws? Oh, yeah. How do you like those screws holding the rotor on? Aren't those great? No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, makes you wonder, right? What were they thinking or not thinking? Yeah. Well, that was that was, I was I was a little more upset with how they have the 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 mounting bracket for the the coil on the control module on there because they have that little heat shield or whatever it is on top. And you had to unbolt that and get that jimmied out of there to get to the bolts to get that mount off because they riveted the control module on. Yeah, to, that was the other thing I was going to ask. The coil. Did your, did, the coil. Did your bracketry have the rivets holding the coil and the module together? And, you know, it's like I don't get it. Either sell it as a whole assembly or, you know, make it so I can unscrew the thing, unbolt it. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so I had to take the whole thing off and grind it out. Luckily, the new ones came with um, bolts so you can just bolt it back on. Right. Yeah, well, that's GM. You know what GM stands for, don't you? Giant mistakes. So um, some, some, sometimes you wonder what they're thinking or not thinking. Um, as much as I yeah. love General Motors, I just I look at some of the things they do, and it leaves me scratching my head. So, well, I'm glad it's running good for you, brother. Um, I'm glad it's working. I'm glad it's doing what it's supposed to do. So, um, you know, that's it. Everything else okay? Yeah, it's okay. working fine now. That's yeah. I, I did. I did. Uh, I couldn't remember if I'd done it before or not. Uh, the spark test off the plug, and I ran it off. You know, I plugged it in, put it on two, and I, there was no spark whatsoever. Right, right. Well, now's a good so time. Whatever. Now that now that you know how it's supposed to work, if you have a spark tester, now's a good time to record good spark from various places. Write it down, put it in your log, and now at least you know what the vehicle's supposed to do. So the next time, if and when it ever goes into a no spark condition or a, or a running performance condition, you know what you know what known good is, right? Um, it's always important to know what known good is to uh, make it work. Hey, Mark, I appreciate the call. I'm glad the truck's working for you, and uh, thanks for being part of the Car Doctor family. Let me pull over. i got to go um, and get this done. I'm Ron and Andy in the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Running the car doctor, wind things down. Congratulations again to Bill from Brighton, Michigan, winner of today's launch scan tool. Courtesy of the folks that launched the Millennium 90. We'll be getting that out to him this week. Uh, real quick, a couple of things, you know, um, interesting, right? Tesla, does any, and this came out, this was this week uh, printed in Bloomberg. Tesla's burning through nearly half a million dollars every hour. Um, great article in Bloomberg, just Google Tesla going through money like this. Over the past 12 months, the electric car money has been burning. The electric car maker has been burning money at a clip of about $8,000 a minute or $480,000 an hour, Bloomberg data shows. At this pace, the company is on track to exhaust its current cash supply on Monday, August 6th at 2.17 a.m. New York time, if you really want to be precise. Um, That's that's just insane. Um, They're going through $8,000 a minute. And they're losing money, and yet they're continuing still to continue to make cars. Wow. Um, Back to internal combustion engines. If you're getting ready for holiday travel this weekend, make sure you get the car checked out. Think about things like the alternator, the starter, the battery, all those good parts, filters. Get some fluid, get some maintenance. If you're going to do it yourself, you're looking for quality parts, get out to BoschAutoParts.com and look them up. And uh, make sure you get where you're going nice and safe. Till the next time, I'm Ron Anany, the car doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. 